Welcome to Spartan Up Podcast. We are here in the Amy Barn. Uh, I am surrounded by greatness. I have Joe DeSena. I have oh. Sephra. I have oh. Tim Nye. We have our producer, Marion, who makes this all happen. And uh, we're very grateful sure for that. Um, oh, yeah. Hey, and this is a really cool one for me because it's um, uh, Chris Cavallarano. And Chris is a guy that I met right here at... Uh, uh, Pittsfield. And this is a real privilege for me to interview him because uh, I didn't know his backstory. I just knew that he was a real nice guy. Um, but I got to find out why he's such a nice guy and what he's doing with that. Um, what I really want you to take away from this is uh, his idea about venture philanthropy and just what it means to him to make a difference in the world. Watch this and then we'll come back and talk about it. And he's going to cry. He does. I'm going to see some emotion. I, I felt like Jim Rome interviewing him. because <laughs> I, I don't cry. know who that is. The day that I met you, uh, you look like a guy who needed a ride. He said, jump my car, and we came down to the 431 Project right here at Riverside. That's and right. uh, so Joe has this habit of collecting interesting people. He, he just shows up with the most interesting people from all over the world, and, uh, and I'm always curious about where someone met Joe. So tell me how you met Joe. I actually met Joe through uh, Zach Evanesh. Zach Evanesh has actually been on the podcast. Yes. Uh, yep. Underground. Underground Strength Gym. Yeah, he's great. Live the code. He's, he's just a straight up, you know, awesome guy and really cares about kids and performance and just, you know, using the physical. I call him a soul lifter. Yeah, okay, you know, cool. he's a guy who uses, you know, training and both physically and mentally to, to not just make better athletes, but better humans sure. um, and kind of, I think, elevate them from a spiritual sense. At the time, I was uh, coaching a group of guys um, who basically, you know, 40, 50 year olds saying like, geez, you know, now I got kids, but I haven't been taking care of myself. How can I get in shape? And Spartan was a perfect way for them to kind of get back in the fight, if you will. And yeah, sure. uh, unbeknownst to us, we took on like at the time, the toughest, you know, Spartan race that we could find, which was the, uh, the world championships at Killington. Yeah. So we did the beast there. And that was, uh, that was about I'd say a hundred times harder than uh, like an Ironman yeah, race, sure. which I've done. That was just, it was tough, tough. Oh, yeah. um, so, uh, so, so you she, met me the day after that race. Cool. That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I really needed a ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. So, and so, and you brought a group with you, a group of people to that. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, everyone from, you know, uh, a guy who lost 70 pounds uh, to uh, a retired uh, army ranger, who you know really appreciated the sense of community that we were bringing together, and um, through it all, we you know we, we got through the race, and there was you know this band of brothers. So so what do you do in your day to day? So so tell me about uh, sure. your, your life. So uh, my day to day, I guess I'm a catalyst for human performance, uh, and I kind of specialize in venture philanthropy. So what that means is I, I find out whether individually, group, or in companies, you know what makes them tick and what their dreams aspirations are and how do I kind of bridge kind of the current state to the to be state um, and I find the most value that I can deliver and also I think share with the world uh, in the you know philanthropy space so I really try to identify people who really have a passion for and a purpose for doing something uh, you know, great in the world and just not maybe have the alignment strategically or the resources. So I'll try to bring to bear financial resources or uh, professional talent, anything I can to help them be successful. And is this them individually or corporately? Uh, both could be either. Yeah. So, um, you know, I spent 15 years in corporate America uh, working at Fidelity Investments and uh, I was what they would consider a force multiplier, which is, you know, I never really had a job title. It's just, you know, this, this group uh, needs to be fixed, help them do that. This group is good, but could be great, help them do that. And so I just went in and rolled up my sleeves and you know, got, got busy. 
So what, what have you found to be then the common denominator in terms of you've got the people out there and they're, they're achieving some business success, but not having that passion to tie it to. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it that you've noticed that is the common denominator that allows people to, to really go out and make that difference, to really go out and, and do something in the world? Yeah. For me, it goes back to, I think, a famous Mark Twain quote, which is, you know, there, there are two most important uh, moments in your life. The first is when you're born, and the second is when you, you find out why. Yeah. And I think when people find that why, it just opens up a realm of possibilities and a passion. I, I, I think... Everyone has a hero within them. It's just a matter of kind of embracing that. And it's scary sometimes because you may have kids and a family and you feel like you have these obligations, but yet, you know, you're, you're only here for so long and you want to make, I hope, make an impact. Um, for me, I want to have a legacy that, that lives beyond me and it's not a building, it's, you know, inspiring other people. So tell me then about your, the, your experience of that. Like when, what was it that, the moment that you said, this is what I want to do. I don't, I don't just want to go pad my bank account, whatever. I want to mm-hmm. make a difference. So, so tell me about your moment where you realize why you're here. Uh, I think it was in 2008 when I kind of got to a place uh, within the corporate world where it just became uh, a challenge from a value proposition. You know, I had a different value set looking at, you know, just spending a lot of time in the nonprofit world and seeing um, how much change you could affect versus, you know, the financial world. So when I became more about people and less about dollars. But conversely, you know, or paradoxically, you need the dollars to help the people. Oh, so, sure. you know, there's that balancing act. Um, so in 2008, I left um, uh, the corporate world, basically um, started my own company called Motivo, um, obviously motivation you know, sure, based yeah. and, uh, and just really sort of hung out the shingle to say, you want to get better, you know, you're looking to, to get great, I'm here to help you. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about what it is in your life that, that brought you to that point, that, uh, the, the things that you then bring to bear on, uh, on your current world. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. Okay, Chris, so we were talking about, um, about um, the moment you decided that you didn't just want to be a businessman, that you wanted to actually be someone who could help harness business to good causes. <laughs> and um, I, I applaud that hugely. I, I think that's massively important. And when you said that um, you know, money's not bad, you, know, you need the money to do, to do the good. It's just a matter of how you pull those things together. So, so tell me about your life and what led to that, like the lessons that you learned along the way that, that made you want to do that and give you the skills to help people do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I really believe everyone has, you know, a story. And, um, and for me, uh, growing up, my, my parents split when I was four years old. Um, I was a latchkey kid, um, meaning, you know, my parents, my mom was a single mom. Um, she was working a ton. Um, I literally, literally lived on a dead-end street, and my bus stop was in front of a bar. Yeah. You know, and uh, you, you, you come out of that, uh, environment and you just you want to do better <laughs> yeah. you know for yourself for other people um, and you just know like that uh, wherever you're at you know uh, you can always do something for somebody else mm-hmm. and it, it was really interesting because it wasn't until I had my uh, my own family and my own kids I was teaching my kids how to tie their shoes and uh they could, they wouldn't, they couldn't get it. Like I was like, no, you do it this way. And I asked my wife Jenny, and I said, she's like, what am I doing wrong? Like I'm trying to teach them how to tie the shoes, and 
she watched. She's like, oh, let me watch. You know, she's a teacher. She, she like, observes, you know. So I go and do it, and she goes, you're, you're doing it, like, for them as opposed to them doing it for themselves. And I basically was doing it backwards. And I was like, why am I, why do I tie shoes as if I'm tying it for someone else? And I asked my mom, I was like, what, did something happen? Like, what did I, and she said, well, you were in, when you were in nursery school, um, kids with special needs and stuff uh, who weren't able to um, tie the shoes like that was your job yeah. you know you're like five six years old or whatever and you're tying of the kids shoes and it was at that point whether I knew it along that path that uh, like I knew like my purpose was to serve others yeah you know Very so cool. yeah so uh, so yeah and I didn't you know you kind of come full circle you know and so that business path really evolved because I was maybe five or six years old. I was looking out the window of our like apartment. When you're uh, when you're like living in like you know upstate New York and you have an apartment, that's you don't have a lot, you know. Um, staying in like trail parks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, long story short, uh, we used to dumpster dive. So we try to get toys out of dumpsters and stuff because mm-hmm. people throw away perfectly good stuff. Yeah, sure. And uh, I was watching in the, uh, in the garage, the uh, garbage guy came, he picked up like a teddy bear or something, and I was like, I said, damn, like he beat it, like he got the good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, you know what, like I said out loud, and my mom was there like cooking, and uh, I said, I'm going to be a garbage man, yeah. and my mom's like, you can't be a garbage man, they don't make any money. And I was like, okay, well, who makes money? And they said, doctors and lawyers. So... I remembered like the day before my buddy stepped on a frog and I almost threw up. <laughs> like yeah. I was like, you can't be a doctor. So I'm gonna be a lawyer. Yeah. So you know, at six years old, I decided I'm gonna be a lawyer and I just sort of was on that path. Um, I guess we all find ourselves on a path and sometimes it's by our own choosing and sometimes it's through other forces. And I followed that path to you know law school and you know and college and all that. And uh, but I get to that point in my business career where I just felt like you know what there's something inside me I don't quite know but you know here's my why it's giving back and using all those skills right all those skills I learned in business school and economics and psychology to to, to help people it's funny a lot of people they don't go that far back when they're looking at the influences on themselves Mm. and and I I understand from a psychology standpoint that most of our real formative uh, experiences actually do happen when we're very very young right and you know the things that happen later on in life we see those as the as the informative things, and yet they, they are sometimes predetermined by who we were when we were little, right? Mm. So it's, it's interesting that you're able to go back to that moment and realize that all the decisions after that actually were shaped by those very, very early experiences. Yep. And uh, so, a- again, you know, I love that you, you understood that you've got to do the work and you've got to develop the success to be in a position to then help more people. And, you know, it wasn't just from day one, I'm just going to be the guy who just you know mother Teresa, i'm going to go into the into right. the, the the slums and um so so you you found a way to make a huge difference for people and and i love when you talk about the force multiplier in what you're doing now too right it's right. the idea that you're helping to leverage other people's success as well so uh, along the way and i know that uh, you and i share a, a love of wrestling too sure uh, it's uh, I, I had a wrestling background colonel nye as well and so 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 tell me about some of those experiences along the way some of the things that that taught you um the teamwork the the resilience the toughness yeah you know it's really interesting um when i was in college uh i I went to the university of rochester 
And unbeknownst to me, uh, I took a class with a professor named Edward D.C. And Ed D.C. and a gentleman, another professor, Richard Ryan, uh, created an area of psychology called self-determination theory. (laughs) And it really was the bedrock that then sort of, you you look at Angela Duckworth's work Mm -hmm. or um, with mindset or grit um, and it was the genesis of it, uh, emotional quoting with uh, Daniel Goldman. Yeah. And uh, it was really based on three pillars. Um, of, And it wasn't say to say you need to be more made motivated, but how are you motivated? Are sure. you intrinsically motivated? So all those things for me come back to what's that fire inside of you that you can inspire? Um, and so with self-determination theory, they're looking for, you know, three pillars. They're looking for, you know, is there autonomy, like free choice? Is there kind of this search for competency where you're perpetually learning? And finally, is there community? And what their research sort of bore out and what I did in both my, you know, nonprofit as well as for-profit practice was really try to inspire the fire in people using that paradigm. Um, and what the research bore out was that, in fact, people were the happiest, most successful when they were intrinsically motivated in that context of self-determination theory. So I, I just want to go through those things that really resonated yeah. with me. So autonomy, the yes. idea that you're, you're making your choices and, and you're doing what you want to do. Yep. Um, uh, competency. competency yep. That it's actually something that you are good at and are inspired to get better at. And yeah, it, and, and you can never really truly master. Yeah, sure. So, yep. so, so there's always something to move forward to. Exactly. But that it's in the context of community absolutely because outside of that what's what's it matter exactly exactly that's really cool yeah and so um you know it it was amazing because as people would kind of come to me for you know help um a lot of times people are like is it the carrot or the stick like it's neither it's love yeah sure you know it's just really kind of listening and allowing them to kind of reframe their sort of reference point to then say okay here here's where i'm at and now what am i what am i going to do I often, when I'm uh, doing these interviews, I'm thinking about what is it that uh, that the listener or the watcher is going to take away from this. And it's really interesting. So many of our interviews are about how to become successful. And what I love about this one is there's somebody listening or watching who's already successful and saying, is this all there is? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. successful in terms of material and, uh, and, and business and whatnot, but saying, man, I thought it was going to be more than this. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, what they can learn from this is that there is more than this. It's how do you now use this to, 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 to do something important? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, there's an Eastern philosophy called Kaizen, which is continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of the, the continuum that I kind of find, find myself on is just always constantly sort of challenge myself. How can I be better? How can I do more? How can I, you know, help others? And, you know, that's been a good path for me. Cool. Hey, I'm very, very glad that I saw you standing beside my car. Yeah, said, man. Dude, you need a ride. I do. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're man. welcome. Hey, Chris, thanks so much. Great man. stuff, Johnny. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, um, I, I even got a little misty. You guys got a little misty on that one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Were you, were you crying? Uh, on, well, I'll tell you, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a real surprise for me because, like I say, I knew Chris was a real nice guy. He's actually sent me some books. So one day he asked me uh, if I'd read anything by, I think it was Stephen Pressfield, and he sent me uh, a couple of his books and a couple oh, others. Just, just nice. a really neat, thoughtful oh. guy. But I didn't realize his whole story about how he'd grown up and, um, and uh, what had shaped him. And uh, you can really hear how committed he is to people, and um, and how how much it means to him. And uh, so yeah, when he got choked up, I got choked up. It was it was it was really something. It's, it's real it's men do cry. Well, it's it's, I, but yes, yes to all of that. And this was very emotional. Pearl, I do you no, cry? I, I, Did I, you I, cry? No. But but, <laughs> but but that's not to say that I never have. Obviously, but what happens? I think it's some. It's a little bit like yawning. 
when mm-hmm. I, sure. especially when a grown man is in front of you and something's emotional, it is hard not to be emotional yep. as well because oh, you, yeah, no, you, you make well, you make a connection, oh, yeah. and it is hard to look at somebody who's crying and or, or having an emotional moment mm-hmm. and not. You know, if you're making a connection and you know laughing. that this person is somebody you know, yeah. no, you don't start laughing. I, I mean, do, I, I, kind of. <laughs> that's my emotional reaction. <laughs> well, one day, one, day, one, day, one day you will grow up and that, no, that, that will change. I think I have lots of empathy. And I think maybe sometimes if people are going through a sad experience, you can be like, I'm here in joy for you. Well, you're you. trying to de- deflect something. But anyway, anyway oh, I I hope you get my point. Anyway, no, I thought this was a great story. And I thought... When you talked about his commitment to help others and how young that started, he's talking about tying the shoes. Yeah. He's talking about tying shoes of disabled children when he was just a, a child. Yeah. You know? so, right. right, so he so he is imprinted or blueprinted or DNA stamped or whatever, and he's got a lot of empathy, and he's had it his whole life. Yeah. But he's, he's kept it, and never it never went away from him. It's still part of who he is. And nourish that soil, if you would. Absolutely. Yes, I would. But, but also, again... Um, I, I love how he's now taken it another step and he's actually created um, a, a company that what he does is he helps people see how they can make a bigger impact in the world. This whole idea of venture philanthropy. And so it's not just how can I make a difference? It's how can I now take my natural abilities, my natural tendencies and help other people leverage their opportunities to, to make a difference. I think that's hugely powerful. Yeah. Well, yeah, in a welcome space, right? I mean, I think it's like a, that, that's, a, that's a great platform to be able to provide in our world. Mm-hmm. And it's just like saying, hey, what are you awesome at and what do you love? And then, oh, here you go. Let me, let you me support remember, you. I don't know if you remember the, the podcast we had with Alan Joke from uh, Unilever. Yep, very much so. And, and um, he said, I mean, they own a ton of brands. They're obviously yep. a very successful company, but they were applying philanthropy and purpose to yep. a lot of their brands. And once they did... They found that the brands actually did much better. Absolutely. So, so it's not enough just to be in business and, and be focused on making some money. I, I actually have been having the conversation internally with the board and saying, couldn't we measure our success instead of on profitability? You could imagine how this went over. Sure, yeah. But our number of lives changed. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Um, but unfortunately, you can't cash that at the bank. Well, there's different yeah, well, metrics. That, sorry, Colonel Nye. No, go right ahead. Meh. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I defer. I have it? empathy. For, for all those people out there, because I get some like, tweets or some emails sometimes that says that people think I get a little frustrated. I would like Sefer to be my daughter or well, daughter-in-law. Oh, yeah. So I just get that out of the way. His so. son's really handsome. All right, let's go on. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, no, but I think a lot of companies now, they have their triple bottom line. It's not just enough to make money. It's like you, you have to make your bottom line. You have to do something good for the community and do something good for the world. It's a lot of what permaculture says. Earth care, people care, fair share. You know what I mean? It's not enough to just... It's the, the same model has gone stale. And I think, like, what Vanda Nashiva, who's a, a great seed activist, she's like the female Gandhi. I just got to hang out with her. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, but no, but, but there, there's um, the, the, the global happiness index. Um, so oftentimes with food, they say, like, oh, we need to feed the world, but you're feeding them empty, non nutritious calories. So instead of measuring it by yield, if you're measuring it by nutrient density, it wouldn't matter that you were growing less, it's like better for you. It's the same thing with like um, gross happiness index. I think I forget what country did that, right? So it's like you're not measured by your GDP global. I know about plants. Right. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. And then it's a, it's not how much gross money. Gross domestic product. Think about that's the only thing I was trying to think of. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much happiness you make. And so I think that that metric in terms of this industry. It makes much more sense. Ultimately, Joe, I, I'm going to suggest that, that, you know, even though you, you, you joke about that it's hard to get that past the board when, you know, there's quarterly results. 
I think you are doing that, and, and I think the board would agree with that too, that you, you are playing a long game because you could go out and squeeze out a little bit more money out of the races and uh, invest a little bit less back into it and, and pull more out every, every time. But, you know, I've been around Spartan for a long time, and I, and I see the commitment to uh, constantly growing it, not just in terms of as a business, but as a, as a movement. And it really has become more of a movement than a business even. And, and in the long run, that's what is going to make the difference. Because if you're not changing people's lives, I just did an interview uh, recently actually for a race out in Vancouver. And, um, and I said, you know, this isn't just to come out and run around in the mud and, uh, and get some pictures. This is about changing your life. And you'll find that you'll not just change your life, but the lives of people around you. And it really resonated with, with the, 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 the interviewer because it what what you're doing with Spartan and what, what we're all doing with this podcast with everything else, you know, none of us are here to, to get rich. This isn't to, to make money. This is to impact and change lives. And um, Like that 14-year-old kid who just did the agogi. Absolutely, yeah. It's not yeah. even venture philanthropy. Maybe it's adventure philanthropy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and in terms of... Um, it, uh, Joe Polish was another uh, interview we did recently, and he talked about... Um, uh, the, what, what did he say? He said, any ethical... Um, product, uh, you know, is eventually going to generate. Um, what, what do you say? Any, and, and anything that you do ethically and, and sell ethically is a, is a good product. Is, is a good product, and and, and, and and you can feel good about any profit that comes out of that. And so the, the same thing with this, you know, in terms of um, changing people's lives, and you know, and what Chris is trying to do with changing people's lives. Um, and I think it's what attracts people like that to you and to Spartan. You know, the four thirty one project, which was Spartan driven. None of those people were here to say, "How can I make more money." Right. right. Some of them were here because they make a lot of money. It's what can I do with this? What can I now do to make a bigger difference in the world? And so, um, so that opportunity to leverage. And, and again, I look at a number of interviews we've done recently with people who are really accumulators of influence. Right. Um, uh, uh, Roman Sunder, who's pulling all these people together. You know, Kelly Slater, greatest surfer in history. But what's that mean if you're not going to do something with it? Uh, David Guetta, um, one of the greatest DJs in history. What does that mean if you're not going to do something with it? Sure. When you can pull those people together and then they can go out and create positive change in the world. It's absolutely enormous. So, um, so yeah, this is, comes back to Chris and what he's doing. But I just want to acknowledge that, that, uh, that I, I, I can't think of many companies in the world who are more committed to actually changing people's lives than Spartan is, as opposed to just making profit. It certainly has changed our lives. So. <laughs> please subscribe. So yeah. if you could, please subscribe. Tell some people to subscribe. Check us out, spartan.com slash podcast. You can check out old podcasts, new podcasts. YouTube, you, iTunes. You can learn how to plant some seeds with Sephra. Maybe join the Army with... Uh, Army? Okay. Army would be fun. Join us in our adventure <laughs> philanthropic endeavor. Just hang out and be happy with me. Yeah, if you need a head <laughs> check, check out Johnny. See ya. <laughs> Thank you for watching another epic story of success. If you like our message, please share Spartan Up with your friends and subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you catch our show. Maybe in the woods. Spartan Up is brought to you by Spartan Race. To find a race near you, visit Spartan.com. Spartan.com.